Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the award-winning Great Indoors is proud to come to the fabulous Las Vegas Convention Center, MWC 2022. Baby, let's make it amazing. Thank you, Frank. Yes, this is season five of TGI, and here in Las Vegas at the GSMA's official podcast, I am joined by a multitude of guests from across the industry, including my producer and co-pilot, Larissa Yee. So this is the second episode of the incredible conversations that we captured at North America's biggest telecoms and technology show. And today we will be talking about the future of the automotive industry and are driverless cars finally here? So I'll be joined with Gillian Kaplan of Dell Technologies and the founder and CEO of Halo Car, Arnan Nandakuma. Now, by the way, Vegas is leading in the evolution of the car and uh, what I've experienced this week has quite literally blew my mind. So buckle up and let's get started. So our next guest uh, on the great indoors here at MWC 2022 in Las Vegas from Dell is Gillian Kaplan. Gillian, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's very exciting to be here. Feels like, you know, exciting to see so many people and a great start to the show so far. Brilliant, brilliant. And just to let our listeners know that, that don't see the video here, Gillian is already hooked on the great indoors and is wearing the hat <laughs> as we do this recording, yes. which I, I, I think is great. Now... Uh, let's get into it, uh, Gillian. you uh, look after telecom and 5G thought leadership at Dell Technologies. But I think you have a rather fascinating story. So just spend some time giving us your background, uh, how you ended up where you are doing what you are, because I think it's, it's pretty incredible. Sure, yeah. So just a little bit of background. I've been in the telecom industry over 18 years, which is Makes you feel a little bit old. Um, I started at Verizon. I worked in network engineering. I did some central office engineering um, when we launched Fios. So a really good basis for like understanding what telecom is and what it does and why it's, you know, like as transitions sort of happen in the industry. In some ways, like the transition from 4G to 5G feels similar as copper to fiber, not the technology itself, but just the massiveness of the transition, right? And then I went on and did some product management um, for a software, software as a service that we had. Um, and then I did some marketing operations and, and sales enablement type work. And after about 14 years there, I came to Dell almost four years ago now and worked in a more traditional product marketing role. And now I uh, lead our thought leadership ap- efforts. Still sit in product marketing, but focus more on like big picture future stuff, which is very exciting. Wow, great. Yeah. Sounds really interesting. And so give us... What, what it is you're working on right now and what led you to this particular position. Like I said, it's a pretty incredible story. Yeah, um, so my personal story is is really, I mean, there's a, there's a mix between my personal life and my work life, which a lot of people don't really have. And when I started this job, it wasn't something that I talked about really, but as we got into 5G and understood like the autonomous capabilities, especially around autonomous vehicles, I started sharing a little bit more about my story. Mm-hmm. So about six years ago, it was August 2016, I was hit by a car crossing a crosswalk. It was broad daylight and the person who was closest to me had stopped and I don't remember anything, but bystanders say that I was sort of like turned thanking them and the person coming the other direction was distracted and hit me in the crosswalk at about 40 miles an hour. 
And I had a traumatic brain injury. I had a brain surgery. Um, they pieced me back together, like multiple pelvis surgeries. Um, and it's really been fascinating to see sort of my career and my passion for preventing distracted driving come together because there are so many capabilities around autonomy for 5G and future yeah. technologies that can really prevent these type of crashes. Wow, wow. I mean, that's what you're looking at right now. Is that the thought leadership you're focusing on, the future of autonomous cars? We've, I focus on everything. So, I on? yeah, I do, you know, retail, manufacturing, some of the big ones, right? Um, we're looking at finance right now. Yeah operations in general, um, energy is really important. So mm -hmm. I sort of run the gamut. But when I look at manufacturing, like especially I can see there's a lot of autonomy that's already gone into manufacturing. Yeah. And so for example, one of the things I like to talk about is when we look at like statistics around manufacturing, it was something like in the United States, there was like over 4,500 human error related deaths reported in 2020. So a human did something, made a mistake, killed themselves, killed someone else. But there was only 40 or 27, 45, like a very small number of robot related deaths where a robot malfunctioned. Right. And while that number should 100% be zero, it's a lot less than 4,500, right? So if you apply that same logic to autonomous vehicles, you can see how many times autonomous vehicles malfunction versus humans malfunctioning, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Not paying attention. Unfortunately, I think we only hear about the times when the autonomous vehicles malfunction. We don't hear about, oh yeah, this person wasn't paying attention and their car stopped for them and prevented a crash. We yeah. don't ever hear about that, yeah. right? So I think it's incredibly important to realize that autonomous vehicles and the future of technology, especially networks, right, are key to preventing crashes and saving lives. It's, it's an amazing point, and I think particularly on this, uh, on this podcast for the last two years, whenever we've talked about 5G, the, the big use case that people get excited about is autonomous mm -hmm. vehicles. And yep. then, you know, my last guest um, here was from uh, T-Mobile, and we've had guests from AT&T and Verizon. And when we look at 5G now and the commercial reality, it's very much fixed wireless access, very much connectivity, rural connectivity. So I think it's fascinating that, I won't call it, hyped up use case, but one of the most known use cases associated with 5G autonomous cars, that this is fast becoming a clear reality now. Yeah, I, we're getting there. We're, I don't think we're where anyone thought, I think people thought we'd be further along with this, especially yeah. in the consumer space. Um, we're not where we want to be. There's a lot of legislation, I think just the industry as a whole, mm -hmm. but we're getting there. And like I said, you know, if we can start to do it in smaller sectors, maybe autonomy around um, like supply chain, right? Maybe not launching to consumers, but focusing mm. on smaller yeah. piece, piece pockets first, yeah. and we can learn how to do that better. It will help as we start to roll out consumer AV across, you know, a network. But I, I think it's great as well. The two sort of benefits that you pointed for autonomous vehicles and for automated manufacturing is safety. Safety. It's, it's not the coolness factor for me. It's I, a it's, I think it's the coolest factor <laughs> because we always talk about it makes things more efficient, it yeah. takes costs out of the business and people mm -hmm. look at it very much from a, a dollars and cents perspective. But like you said, if, when you do the analysis between human error and computer or AI driven error, you can see the, the discrepancies. So the benefit in 
autonomous vehicles transcends just dollars and cents, right? Oh, 100%. Like I said, and people just think it's cool, right? Oh, my car drives itself. And I think that's cool. And I think the dollars and cents is cool. But I also think it's really cool if people don't die, right? Like that's to me is I'm so incredibly passionate about it. And to be totally honest with you, when I first had my crash and got more into the wireless side of the business, I thought to myself, should I want autonomous vehicles or should I not, given what happened to me, right? Yeah. But I will tell you, I was hit in broad daylight in a crosswalk. There was no weather. It was an 80-degree day in August. If that car was a tiny bit smart, it wouldn't have hit me. Yeah. And, and crashes like mine, like nine people a day in the U.S., die in distracted driving. And it's probably underreported because yeah. people don't like to admit they were distracted. distracted. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so for me, like, I, and I, I mean, something like nine out of 10 people in crashes like I had die. It's very scary. And I'm lucky to be here and I'm lucky to be able to tell my story and uh, hopefully encourage people, A, to pay attention when they drive, but B, understand how incredibly important yeah. and life-saving this technology can be. No, but I think as well your passion for this is driven by a, a, a life-changing personal instance, yes. right? Which, which makes you appreciate it and be passionate about it even more. Yes, right? yes. I think that's, that's incredible. And, and on the subject of autonomous vehicles, we're actually meeting a company called Halo here in Las Vegas okay. that do the automated taxi service they have a license here oh nice so i think on tomorrow night i, I will be getting into an autonomous vehicle for the first time oh okay. I, I feel more comfortable about it now okay all right you should you should you should i've only been in i've been in a tesla so there's various levels of autonomy right yeah. tesla's like between a two and a three if you look at like the zero to five scale and i think we're only legislated up to like a two or three in the u.s but yeah. i know germany is legislated up to like a level four i believe they're the highest right now right so, but even like there's so many safeguards in vehicles now without full autonomy that are so incredibly important, like auto stopping and the lane change yeah, and all the yeah, stuff, like yeah. those prevent crashes every single day. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about Dell's uh, telecom business and how 5G is, is central to that. Sure. So we at Dell have been in the telecom business a very long time. Um, selling hardware. Mm -hmm. And probably a little over two, two and a half years ago now, as we moved from 4G to 5G, we started to build a business really focused on partnering with communication service providers instead of just selling to them. Yeah. Dell has an extreme enterprise expertise, right? Like we know the enterprise. We've been in the business a very long time. So partnering with communication service providers to help them monetize in 5G, which is known as the enterprise G, just makes sense for us. So it's been really exciting to see our customers really become partners and be able to go to market with them to be able to help them monetize the investments that they're making in yeah. their network. No, and I think it's the theme that's come up in several events I've been in recently. Uh, whether it was Mobile Future Forward in Seattle, but the service provider saying we need an ecosystem of partners yep. to make this happen. A hundred percent. And it has to be open. Yes. It has to be open because every use case requires different partners. And you can't say, oh, I'm only working with this person or this person or this person. And we've built totally open ecosystem. We have our open telecom ecosystem lab, which is currently open virtually and will be physically open in Round right. Rock in January. Um, we've done some really cool VR experiences in there so far, which is very exciting. But it's it's really important to make sure that your ecosystem is open and partner-driven. Yeah. 
Absolutely, absolutely. It's really exciting. It's almost like you're, they've built the infrastructure and then the rest of the partners are coming together to really put that magic into that, uh, into that investment, particularly autonomous cars, like we said, uh, etc. Takes the village. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>no but again it, you know and this is why i'm enjoying this conversation a lot here jillian is that to the point we raised before technology something i i, I say on the pod technology has had a rebrand right mm -hmm. as far as i'm concerned it used to be bad for your children to spend too much time on this or everyone was talking to virtual friends and not real friends but i think definitely with what what your report a part of and, and the stories this is tech for for good for the good of society for the good of humanity yep right yeah i mean what else do you think 5g and networks can bring to society other than what we talked about which is connectivity autonomous cars automatic uh, automated manufacturing what other areas do you think it can really push uh, our evolution oh i think i think it has the potential to touch really every vertical um and while pop people say oh well 5g isn't really consumer focused I agree it has an enterprise focus to it. I do think that there will be applications built that can only run on 5G. I see like some sort of retail immersive experience. We have to remember when 4G launched, we didn't have apps that needed 4G, right? Those got built as the network got built. So I see that yeah. happening as well. Um, but I do see a very like good outcome from this. If if this is used properly, you know, around the autonomous vehicles and such. And we have to remember too, one of the biggest things that I remember, especially like going through the pandemic, if we didn't have communication service providers, if we didn't have a network, what, what are we gonna do, hang out on Excel all day? Yeah. Excel's lovely, don't, yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. get me wrong, but like we forget about how incredibly the important the network is, whether it's Wi-Fi or, or, you know, a mobile network, 4G, whatever it is, 4G, 5G, whatever. If we didn't have that in the last two years, it would have been a much more painful experience. Exactly, it was the glue that held everything together. But now I think from that position, and like I talked about for the feeling of tech for good, it can really springboard yep. with all the partnerships, the networks built to become something really revolutionary and fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it kept kids in school, right? It kept us working. It was incredible, it kept people connected when they couldn't be face to face. It was incredibly, incredibly important. And I don't think people remember or appreciate the network and the service providers enough until it doesn't work, then they, then they remember. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna uh, finish now with our rather lighthearted TGI to go round. Sure. You, you may be familiar with this, but I'm going to ask you five multiple choice questions and you just give me your preference. Okay. Okay, and then we can talk all about a little bit why that is. Sure. Okay. So here we go. TGI to go. TGI to go. Question number one. Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? Frank Sinatra. That's I don't good. really know who Dean Martin is. No? No, so. I, uh, this is a <laughs> we've had this conversation. Everyone was like, I don't know who Dean Martin is. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a big. Anyway, we'll have Frank Sinatra here at 3 p.m. Oh, okay. The Frank Sinatra. All right. Yeah, it's amazing what technology can do. Um, <laughs> the next question the win or the Bellagio? Oh, um, so I stayed at the Bellagio on my first trip to Vegas, and I'm staying at the Encore, which is kind of the win on this trip, which is my latest trip. 
I don't know. It's a toss-up. Yeah. Uh, I got upgraded at the Bellagio though, and I was it was I was actually with Verizon at the time. It was my first business trip. I was a 21-year-old oh, wow. engineer. My first business trip, and I thought I had like died and gone to heaven and upgraded the Bellagio. So I'll go with the Bellagio. Oh, nice. But wh where are you based in the U.S.? Boston. Oh, you're in Boston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Next one, a bit of a foodie question: sushi or Italian? All the food, all yeah. the time. Yep. I. I. Yeah. All the food. Any recommendations for Las Vegas? So Sushi Samba is amazing. If you haven't been there, it's at the Venetian, I think. It's either Palazzo or the Venetian. Right. That's one of my favorites. And Momofuku at the Cosmopolitan. Okay. Those are two of my favorites here. Very yeah. nice. I'm going to write those down. I might give it a go later. Mm. Yoga or running? Yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I like running, but, you know, when I'm chased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, we, we, this is interesting. It's a bit of a plug for them, I guess. We're looking at doing a team building event at the end of the show. Nice. And we looked at all the options that we could do. And there's something that they do here in Las Vegas called goat yoga. I've heard of that. Have you? Yeah. Yep. Have you done it? I have not, but I've seen it. The goats like balance on your back yeah, while you, yeah. yeah. Can I get an invite to that? If you, you can. Okay. I think we'll give it a go and see. I mean, I've never, I've never done yoga, let alone yoga with goats. Okay. Well, so I think that could be quite I'll be interesting. Here. <laughs> yeah. Maine or Florida? Maine. Maine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of like a, I like a good road trip. I have a young child, so right. getting on a plane is a whole situation. We spend a lot of time in Vermont. Oh, nice. So we're we're big fans of Vermont. Maine's sort of similar. I used so. to ski a lot in Killington. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're Mount Snow people, but yeah. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Well, that's our TGA to go round, uh, Gillian. So thank you very much. Now, it's, it's, this is the first morning of the show. What are you looking forward to seeing the most or, or interacting with or here this week? I, I mean, I'm just, I honestly, I can't pinpoint one thing. I'm just really excited to see humans and people and be connected. It's really awesome to be here. So I'm just overall excited to be here. It's great to talk isn't it it's great to be face to face with it's people awesome and, and, yeah. and speak and uh, it's great exchange views yeah so any last any last thoughts from you before uh before we end this episode i would say that you know we just need to keep partnering working together um this is going to be a team effort i was listening to the gsma announce the themes for mobile congress in barcelona All right, yeah. earlier this week last week i think yeah. and one thing they said is like, there are so many new players in the space than there has been in a bajillion years at this point. And so that just further proves how open and collaborative we need to be as an industry. No, it's a, it's a really exciting time uh, for a lot of the things that, um, that we discussed. So I want to say thank you very much, Gillian, for joining us, for joining The Great Indoors and have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. TGI, The Great Indoors, coming to you from MWC 2022 here in fabulous Las Vegas. My next guest I'm really excited to introduce uh, to the show today. Uh, I've already spent a lot of time with him uh, this week, and he has a fantastic proposition and story. We're going to have a great conversation here. So I'd like to welcome to The Great Indoors, Anand Nandakuma, who's the CEO and founder of Halo. Welcome to The Great Indoors, Anand. Thank you so much, Matt. Super fun to be here. Excellent. Excited. Excellent. Right. Now, we're going to get into some of the fun we've already had very early this morning. Uh, 
Um, but just for our listeners, give a bit of background on yourself and on Halo, if you could. Absolutely. So myself, I come from India, originally born and raised there. Then uh, did my bachelor's computer engineering over there. Uh, moved to England, started my master's in machine learning way back about 17 years ago. I'm going to date myself a little bit for your audience. Uh, <laughs> in the last 16, 17 years, I've been leading software divisions for the most part at the intersection of computer vision, machine learning, a lot of hardware and video streaming. Before starting Halo, I led Uber's perception division for the self-driving cars and truck program. Left that in early 2019 to start Halo. Mm -hmm. And the vision for Halo is quite simple. I'm a big, avid believer in climate change and my whole reasoning for being on this earth is to fight climate change. That's my purpose for the for mm -hmm. being here. Yeah. To fight it, the, the biggest carbon emitter today is transportation. If we were to stop producing that much carbon through transportation, all of the miles that we drive in gasoline today, using gasoline as a propellant, should change into all electric. That's not happening today. It's super slow ramp into all electric yeah. fleet. Mm -hmm. That's primarily because car ownership is in the middle of it. My vision for Halo was you don't need to own a car because the car ownership comes with a lot of other problems alongside. Number one, electric cars are still too expensive to, to regular consumers. And number two is when a car is owned privately, it's just parked 23 hours in a day. So 96% of the lifetime of the, of the car, it's literally made to be parked. Yeah. Right? yeah. This is just not sustainable. So. That's why I left uh, Uber to find a way to make cars more accessible, specifically EVs, more accessible to everybody, and find a way to rapidly accelerate the adoption of electric vehicles. Okay. Now, it's brilliant. It really is brilliant. And, and I think the one thing that dawned on me is innovation in Las Vegas isn't normally assort, uh, associated with the automobile, right? right and we, we right. see the Las Vegas loop here with Tesla, the labyrinth of tunnels with the electric cars zipping through. Tell us about Halo Car and what makes that a very distinct and very exciting proposition. Yeah, so our goal is to get a electric car to a customer as fast as possible, as convenient as possible, and as affordable as possible. To do that, what we've done is our customers can take our app, push a button, and request a Halo Car. Mm -hmm. We will then remotely drive an all-electric car through our remote pilots that are seasoned and trained by us from our mission control right here in Las Vegas. They drive that car remotely to a customer's location. And once the car arrives at the customer's location, the customers can jump in, drive themselves. They can drive wherever they want to go, how much of they want to drive. They can drive it yeah. rented by the hour, just like a regular car rental. Mm -hmm. When they're done, they literally don't have to park. Parking is always a nightmare, no matter which city we go to. Mm -hmm. They drop the car off inside a designated zone that we have, and then they can walk away. Yeah. The car is then remotely driven to the next customer. Yeah. Or if it needs charging, it goes to a charging station to go charge. Yeah. Or if it needs some cleaning or maintenance, it automatically goes to our maintenance areas to yeah. go get maintained. Yeah. That's the vision for Halo, and yeah. that's what we've launched a few weeks ago. And, and you launched it a few weeks ago, but I actually experienced this mm -hmm this morning that's right? exactly right yeah and i'm going to say this to my listeners and everything it was a real game-changing experience and ever since we talked about particularly that parking statistic all i've noticed particularly here in las vegas is the volume of parking lots yeah exactly. right. that's right so your proposition not only is environmentally friendly right convenient for customers cost effective for customers yeah 
right? Yeah. It also helps the construct of the city itself. That's right. I mean, if you think about this, right? So for every car that's manufactured, we also build eight more parking spaces for it. Right. right? Yeah. So yeah. imagine if we produce two million cars, imagine how many parking spaces we have to build for it. Yes, right? Yeah. That's because cars are still getting access by a car ownership model. Yeah. which means that cars have to be parked all the time. Mm -hmm. If we change that and say cars are going to be driven all the time and they're barely parked one or two hours a day just for charging purposes, the game changes. Yeah. Specifically, city centers are now flooded with parking lots. Mm -hmm. The yeah. cities always are struggling to find affordable housing. Imagine that parking spaces getting converted to affordable housing. Yeah, Imagine yeah. that getting converted to storefronts. More mom and pop stores can get access to more customers and affordable rents, right? Yeah. The city becomes a walkable city now, right? You can live next to it. You can be under that 15-minute walkable zone yeah. and then get a car when we want to get a car. All that kind of starts happening. There is also a big paradigm shift that could happen in the charging infrastructure, Right. Think about this, right? By 2030, actually, California put out this um, legislation right now. By 2035, you can't sell a gasoline car in the entire state of California. Yeah, and yeah. New York ad adopted the same thing today, literally today. And this is going to have to start happening, which means that charging infrastructure has to change from the ground up. We've got so many gas stations right now, so we don't want to think about where could be, is that going to be a gas station when we take a road trip, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the case today for charging infrastructure. Right. Yeah. The biggest difficulty cities and, and, and electric grid faces today is how do we bring megawatts of charging infrastructure into a city center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a big, cumbersome task. Yeah. That's because we're still targeting for private car ownership. Yeah. That's where people want to charge a car if they own the car. Yeah, yeah. But if yeah. we take that ownership out of the equation and cars can dynamically reposition without anybody inside. There are only a couple of designated spots that are outskirts of the city and the yeah, cars yeah. can automatically go there to go charged and then come back into the city for utilization. Yeah. For instance, Manhattan. You don't need to put charging infrastructure inside the city. The cars can charge in, in Brooklyn and come inside the city yeah, yeah. for customers. Yeah, yeah. The game completely changes. But, and again, like you said, it changes the dynamics and the construct of a city, right? Right. right. Uh, and again, the more I think about it, the more the proposition makes sense from, you don't need, I'll just throw a personal example. I have two cars, but the cost that goes into servicing, the cost yeah. that goes into, I live in Canada, so you have to change your tires twice a year, right? When the seasons change. Uh, the, the cost of, of gasoline is, has been volatile and ridiculous. Yeah. Take that away, but still have the ability to transport yourself. And, and here's the thing, to transport yourself in a much more stress-free, relaxing environment. Right. Exactly. The customer experience from dr driving changes. Yeah. Tell, tell me about your experience when you took your car to a mechanic shop. It's, well, I mean, every, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't ever recall a good experience. Exactly. Yeah. You never, nobody has a good experience taking a car to a yeah. mechanic shop, right? Yeah. And think about like taking a car to, you know, change your oil, you have to wait there bring it back and yeah, now you have to think about changing tires what tire do I get mm. and you go back to the mechanic and they're going to hustle you for yeah. you know like as much as they can extract yeah, right exactly, exactly and then now comes to charging right charging yeah. is really complicated what kind of plug do I need to use what adapter do I need to use it's so much cumbersome there yeah, that, yeah. that whole infrastructure right yeah and we're saying let's abstract all that out Customers never have to worry about charging infrastructure ever. They don't have to ever worry if the car is fully charged or not. Yeah. 
they just get a car when they want one and they can drive to the destination wherever they want to go, yeah. don't even worry about parking. Yeah. Don't worry about charging. Exactly. Don't worry about changing tire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And in fact, the experience was so good this morning. We actually did some carpool karaoke, right? <laughs> That's right. We're actually singing in the car. Singing in the car, coloring in, <laughs> having, having the time of our lives. Right. And, and by the way, that video will be available on andox.com forward slash the great indoors. You'll see that soon. But it was a really great experience. Now, what's next then for Halo Car? And I'd so say you've launched recently. It's out there now in, in Las Vegas. Right. What's the vision from here? Yeah, so what we launched recently a few weeks ago was a beta version of it, which means that we still have a safety driver inside the car, but the car mm -hmm. is fully remotely piloted to, to get it delivered to a customer, right? Yeah. And then once the customer gets the car, access the car, our safety driver leaves the car, they just drive wherever they want, and then when they drop off, safety driver gets back in. Mm -hmm. That's a beta version we launched. We're really, really, really close to launching full commercial, which means that we're going to be removing the safety driver from the car later this year. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest milestone the company has ever achieved or will ever achieve. Yeah. It took us three and a half years to get here, right? and we've raised money from incredible investors so far. All that press release, press release will come out next, next week yeah. in terms of who invested in the company, how much did we raise, and what's the purpose of the, the raise and all that kind of stuff will come out very, very shortly. Yeah. But the whole point of this is to get to this commercial launch. That's the biggest launch that we've ever had. We're gonna have some incredible uh, guests who are gonna come in and request a first ride ever and experience this firsthand. Yeah. Essentially by this, what we're communicating to the world is a few things. Number one is there's lack of trust with driverless cars and general consumers. It's because you know, majority of the Americans right now say they will not get into a fully autonomous car. Yeah. It's because they don't have access to it. They've never seen it before. Yeah. They don't, it's not, it doesn't coexist. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're saying here is the first step to building that trust is to see driverless cars coexist in public roads. When you're driving, you look around, there's a, oh my God, that car has nobody inside the driver wheel, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a first step. Yeah. Believing that vision. The second step is when the car comes to you, you have full control over it you can drive yourself, yes, right? yeah. That's what we're proving with this commercial launch in a real public way yeah. and with full government support. Yeah. We've got the DMV of Nevada give, given us a first full commercial permit to launch this yeah. and the entire city that is backing us for this yeah. launch, right? Yeah. That's a huge demonstration that we want to talk about. That's yeah. why Vegas is incredible, the state of Nevada is incredible, yeah. very progressive. And then if you try to amplify that a little bit more towards the end of the year, we'll have a huge fleet of cars that are actually in full service with customers. And if you go to downtown Las Vegas and halo.car, you can actually request yeah. a ride yourself. Well, and, and it's that coexistence that you said there right. that I think is the journey towards people accepting autonomous. Because mm -hmm. it is too much of a step change for people to say, oh, I don't have to drive anymore. Okay. But for some people, and, and it was Cass from your team who made right. this point last night, if you do a long journey, I fancy driving that part of the journey. Yes. And maybe the other part, I don't really fancy driving through exactly. that particular area. Yeah. Because some people do still love to drive. Yep. Right? It's yep. something they like to do. Yep. But what your proposition offers the ability to have a hybrid model. I can drive when I want. If I don't want to drive, that's okay as well. I can pick and choose. And then that is the progression uh, to whatever exists in right. the future. Yeah, so first step is we got to build this trust, both with the regulators on yeah. the state and city side mm -hmm. and with consumers saying that, hey, this is not 
what you think it is. It's just a vehicle that you can drive, but we're making access to EVs and electric vehicles so convenient. It will come to you like an Uber. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the half of the cost. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's what we want to start. That's an easy way to make uh, a, a step change, right? One small step, right? Yeah. For, for consumers to get access to it. And then once they get used to the service, it's so convenient, a lot more people start transitioning. Yeah. Essentially, what we're going here, Matt, is 56% of American households have two cars in their house, yeah. right? One is your uh, family car, your weekend car, or perpetually you have a baby seat inside the car, right? That's your first main yeah. family yeah. car, right? And the second one is your commute car or, you know, errand vehicle, yeah. whatnot, right? Yeah, yeah. The utilization is so low in those cars, yeah. right? Yeah. And what we're going after is let's start with the second car first yeah. and say, hey, you don't need to pay 100% of the cost of the second car for using it 4% of the time. Yeah, yeah. Instead, you will bring you a car dynamically whenever you want one. Yeah. That's where we start, right? Low friction to enter. Yeah. And then show the convenience, show that it's actually reliable, efficient, yeah. and affordable. At the same time, it's sustainable, right? Yeah. Not asking them to buy a $40,000 car, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You start there first, and then over time, people start giving up the first car and saying, hey, the service is so convenient, I don't want to own a car yeah, anymore. Yeah, right? yeah. That's the goal that we want to get and, to. And I remember now, you've jogged my memory, I remember reading an article in The Economist maybe two or three years ago where it was trying to predict the future of... Not autonomous vehicles, but rideshare, specifically Uber. And it was it was talking about Uber, but it, it calculated the cost per mile right. of ownership. Right, right. That was the equation it was using. And it calculated that, as Uber was at the time, and, and that it was significantly less cost per mile right. versus right. car ownership. Right. And it said that is sort of a very key fundamental KPI yes. that's going to push Uber forward absolutely it's very very true unfortunately i think things have changed a little bit since COVID. right uber and lyft both are now public companies yeah and they're driving for profitability right which means the cost of uber has gone up a lot in the last 12 months it's gone up 92 percent yeah and at a point where uber costs the same as a regular taxi would back in the day right mm -hmm. there's no big difference at the moment Right. Yeah, yeah. So that is kind of driving the con convenience is high, but the affordability is going down. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. That's why a lot of people towards COVID started resorting back to car ownership. Yes. This yeah, is yeah. not the model that we want. Yeah. Because it stopped being ride share. Yeah. And became a digital taxi service. Exactly. You nailed yeah. it on the head. It yeah. is a digital taxi service. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But with a little bit better convenience, right? And yeah, yeah. better customer service, whatnot, yeah. you can definitely say it's better yeah. than taxis in yeah, yeah. a million yeah. ways. But the cost is not better. Yeah, yeah. We need to make the cost so affordable to drive that 50%. So it's less than, significantly less than car ownership itself. Yeah. And your vehicles are 100% electric. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's it. That's yeah. where we drive mass adoption from gasoline to electric yeah. and not the number of cars sold. Yeah. There's a big fundamental change I would like to talk about here where yeah. the federal government is pushing out all this legislation at the moment where, you know, the Infrastructure Act is coming out, your, your Inflation Act is coming out. It's all great. It's all need to happen. But the fundamental economics or fundamental KPI that federal government is setting is a number of cars sold by 2030 should change yeah. to electric. That is not what we need to target. We need to target at the number of miles driven 
buy electric vehicles. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's so, where the fundamental change happens. Yeah. That's where the number of carbon emission, the amount of carbon emission emitted will yeah. come down. Yeah. Because me, I work at, at home. Typically, I have one of the commuter errand cars that you, you discussed that I use less frequently. But me right. switching that out to an electric car isn't going to help anyone environmentally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And not only that, now you have to retrofit the house. Yes. With yeah. charging infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Most people rent a house or live in an apartment complex. You just can't drop a charging station yeah, yeah. in your parking space. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just absolutely cumbersome to own an electric car yeah, today. Yeah. It's just inconvenient to own an electric car today, even though they drive like a beautiful machine. Yeah. If you drive an EV, you will never go back to a gasoline car. The pickup you get, the experience you get, the boost you get, yeah. it's just incredibly effective. And yeah. once you get used to not going to a gas station, you will never want to go back to a gas station. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I think it's super exciting. I think it's incredible, the proposition. I've, like I said, in this instance, I've experienced it firsthand. I think the business model, I think the ethics behind it, I think the objectives, I think it's all incredibly, incredibly exciting. Are there any last points you'd like to make before we go into our fun, quick fire TGI to go round? I would love to like call out some of our partners as well because oh, this is that was you know, one thing I did. Yeah. I did. yeah, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I mean, this is a grand vision, right? Not one company can just achieve it by themselves. Yeah. We need to rely on existing infrastructure, right? The, which is LTE and five G. Yes, of course. Of you know, course. W yeah. without that, we can't deploy a, a a network of service like this, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would love to thank all of our partners here, and specifically T-Mobile, who made this all happen for us, yeah. and allowing us to get access to the five G network, LTE network, to actually start testing it way, way back in the day, like yeah. a couple, almost two years ago, to yeah. like now we're launching a full board service in these five G networks, yeah. right? Yeah. Talk about the five G use case. Yeah. That's just this is like the ultimate five G use case. And, and do you know what's so interesting about that point, Anand, is because for years, particularly doing this podcast, we speculated and dreamt yeah. about what 5G would be yeah. would give us. And the first use case was driverless cars, yeah. autonomous vehicles. Yeah. And it was always like, every time I hear this, and even a year ago at this show in Los Angeles, people were still looking at 5G around connectivity, right. rural connectivity and pure enterprise play. But what I've seen today is a clear demonstrable example of what 5G can do yes. for society. Yes, exactly. That low latency connectivity is what enables Halo Car to exist today. Yeah. Right? That's why I wanted to call out our partners yeah. and call out 5G. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, we came to know each other through the 5G Open Innovation That's Lab, right? right? And, and all those partners, or many of them, are here this week uh, in Las Vegas. And they did actually quite a decent party last night over yeah. at, at yeah. Paris. And, yeah. uh, you know, and we've had we've had Jim Bromitzis on the podcast several times, uh, and he's a huge advocate uh, of everything you guys do and everything that's obviously coming out of that lab. So thank you yep. very much, Anand. Are you ready for the TGI to go? I am ready. TGI to go. First one: Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? Oh, Vegas, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Not Elvis Presley that we were singing this morning, which no. uh, again yeah. is available in that video. Right. David Copperfield or David Blaine? Oh, 
Wow. Um, I will say Copperfield. When did he last do a show here in Vegas? He... I think he's got the residency here. Now, yeah, right? I, yeah. Not been I know David yet. Blaine definitely is. I see that on the right on, right, on all the right. on the ads everywhere. But yeah. you're a Copperfield fan. Yeah, I'm a Copperfield fan. Okay. Let's go back to Europe: Barcelona or Amsterdam? Never been to both. I only had a st one day layover in Barcelona. Actually, right. a few hour layover yeah. uh, a few weeks ago, but never actually went into the city. Oh, right. So I don't know. And I've never been to Amsterdam either. Right. So I can't pick and choose. Well, I think you should pick Barcelona and I yeah. think you should come with us as part of MWC 2023 in Barcelona. Done. There Done. you go. There you go. Fish and chips or chicken masala? Oh, that's a man. bit of a, I guess a bit of a British one there. It, it, it I is. I mean, this, this reminds me, I'm sorry, I'm tangent for a second. This yeah. reminds me of my, my masters, where, right. you know, in Sheffield. Right. Literally right outside my computer science department. Yeah. Our first job I ever got was frying fish and chips. Oh, really? In a proper? In a proper and fish and chip <laughs> store owned by a Pakistani guy. Really? <laughs> yes. That was my literally first job. Right? Oh, wow. But unfortunately, I don't eat meat or fish. Okay, right. So I'll go with just chips. Okay. But I'd miss the old British chips. I know, the old British chips yeah, with yeah. mayonnaise and pepper on it. And with in newspaper. Oh, right. yes. <laughs> and I tell, I tell people in Canada, they look at me like, what? Like, what? <laughs> is that a thing? Especially yeah. at 2 a.m. in the morning after getting drunk. Oh, whoa, that is quite the experience, guys. If you're not experiencing it, you should try it out. <laughs> now, final one. Yeah. Baking or hiking? Baking or hiking? What type of baking are we talking about here? I guess cakes. Cakes? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm gonna have to choose hiking because I've not baked. I've, if I try, it doesn't come out that well. So okay. I'd probably choose hiking. But you've got some good hiking spots around here. Right? Oh man, Vegas yeah, has incredible yeah. hiking spots, especially yeah. the Red Rocks, the beautiful mountains, uh, beautiful you know, little canyons that you can hike through. Yeah. Uh, and on the east side, closer to, on the way down to Grand Canyon, there are like incredible hiking spots, specifically um, hot springs. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like half hot spring, half uh, cold yeah. water coming oh, from nice. Colorado. Yeah, yeah. They're all merged together. It's beautiful. Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, listen, Anand, I've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed the, recording this podcast with you and the time we spent earlier today doing the demonstrations in the video. Uh, you're now uh, uh, a member of the Great Indoors alumni. Love it. So we'll have you back on the show again in the future and keep a track of everything that's happening. Uh, but yeah, really great seeing you and uh, have a great day. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Wonderful being here. So another great conversation from MWC Las Vegas 2022. Stay tuned for more and also check out www.amdocs.com forward slash The Great Indoors for more information, back episodes and videos associated with TGI. So I'm Matthew Roberts in Las Vegas for Amdocs and I'll see you next time wherever you are.